You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. Your weekly look at movies, video games, and more brought to you by your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me, said Talk. Mm, I mean, that's not accurate. Depends on what day they're listening to this. Yes, it could be on your birthday. It's the day it comes out would be my birthday. Right. See what I'm doing? See what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. So if you want to wish me happy birthday. Me? So, yeah. No, not you. The oh. listeners. <laughs> so whatever day you're listening to this, wish him a happy birthday Correct. for all eternity. <laughs> At A. Scully on a Twitter. Good, it's a good plan. Yes. So go to A Scully on Twitter and say happy birthday to me whenever it is. Forever. I'll always accept it. What's the before the after the show discussion, Sid Talk? Mm, there wasn't much. You saw you were saying some stuff about this movie and Mr. Cronenberg. That was it. There's not a lot going on today. All right, so let's get into it. It's Saturday, July the 9th. This is after the show number 744. We look at a movie every week, and this week's movie is Crimes of the Future. It's a 2022 movie. It's on streaming services now. Rated R from our friends at Neon, who let us watch a digital copy. Sid Talk, give us a synopsis of Crimes of the Future. Tricky. (laughs) That's tricky. Uh Uh-huh, it's tricky. In the future, we don't know how far in the future, humans start growing organs, new organs, and it's Cronenberg, so... It's not just like you're straight up humans growing new organs. <laughs> There's really no, it's very. All right. Here's people the are going, yeah. Yeah. What's on the box? I it, know what's on the box, but it doesn't cover the movie. Here it is. Humans adapt to a synthetic environment with new transformations and mutations. With his partner Caprice, Saul Tensor, celebrity performance artist, publicly showcases the metamorphosis of his organs in avant-garde performances. I mean, that's accurate for the story, yes. So this guy, (laughs) I keep on calling him Ed Harris. It's not Ed Harris, it's Viggo Mortensen, right? Same thing. (laughs) No, it's not. But for some reason, I'm like, I could picture Ed Harris doing that role, for sure. Also, I could too. Definitely. So you're just sort of introduced to these people, finding out that this dude is in this weird chair thingy, bed, weird, natural. It's very... The vibe of the movie is organic and broken industrial, post-industrial yes. vomit. Yeah, it's <laughs> or pretty gross. Jaundice. It's very jaundice, this movie. So, and then that combined, like the post-industrial, everything's all broken down and shit looks gross, combined with these sort of oddly placed, very organic structures. Like the bed he's in looks like a big giant upside down squid. The autopsy sarcophagus. That's got parts like electronic parts that do autopsies. Looks like yeah. a big skull, like a bone of a dinosaur. I like to so, call that the bone bed. The bone bed. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's that too. So it's got this very interesting aesthetic. It is very unique and of his and which I appreciate. I like when someone's like, this is what I've, this is what I'm committing to. Just like aliens, right? Or alien. Originally the the look of everything is very specific. I like that. So inside of this world, this dude is a performance artist with this woman, and we have established very quickly 
that performance art has become sort of like the thing of society. Like it's all about performing and being on display, which of course is very strong commentary on where someone might think we're headed now that you're, if you're not on display and on YouTube and on Twitch and on Twitter and on TikTok and you're nothing, you don't exist. And that it, the, the, the stakes are getting higher and higher and higher. And that there's going to come a time when no one feels anything. This is the movie. Some of the themes in the movie are no one feels pain anymore. No one gets infections anymore. We don't know how that happened. No, <laughs> that's not explained. It's just a, a one scene where one guy says it. Just evolution. Something has happened, yeah, so we don't feel physical pain. But then the guy, Vigo slash Ed, feels pain, right? He's growing spontaneous organs. And then his performance art, because he's a famous performance artist, putting it all out there for display. It sounds mental, doesn't it, when you say it? Right. Is he's laid on a thing and his partner lady kind of gives a performance art of like a speech that goes with it and like dramatic things that she's saying about it. And then you're seeing the machine with little surgical blades, cut him open and cut out, remove his additional organ that he's grown. Let's also not forget that his lady is also tattooing his organs while they're inside it. Correct. So he's got that part. I was a little unclear about, except the idea that, Because ultimately we get to the idea that we are basically ruining the youth of, like we're poisoning, literally and sort of metaphorically, all new generations with our own new shit that we make up. Like the new crap that we invent or that damages us or that is terrible or that's not great. We can't prevent the next generation because it's in them already. So this tattooing your organ and then there's a child involved who ultimately has tattooed organs seemingly organically it's like oh crap we've passed it on to them yeah it's yeah you're right it's hard to exp- it sounds crazy it also it don't, yeah <laughs> but it is i've just watched it and you just explained it and the explanation doesn't make any sense <laughs> and but it's but i'm accurate i mean it makes yeah it makes sense it's what i saw on the screen but <laughs> it doesn't I feel like it felt like three things going on. One, I'm an artist and art is very hard and I'm putting myself out into the world and it's very painful and it's like you're ripping a part out of me just to then criticize me and tear me down and make the world all shitty. And then there's another thing about environmental thing, using the environmental industrial waste and plastics and that we might have a solution for that, but actually we want to, like the governments and the people in control will want to suppress our solution to that problem so that simply by existing and being organically part of the solution, you are a rebel, you are bad. Then there's just this sort of like social commentary that the third part every is- evolution thing that we're doing, we might think in the moment we're moving forward, but we're stamping the next generation with it and it might not be great. Well, you also forget that there's also another thread, which is sex surgery is the new sex. Yeah, I so don't there's think like that's an erotic, a separate thing. But it's an erotic part to the, the, this. Like an I element. guess, I guess, I feel like that's such a tiny, that's a, almost like that had to, that was obligatory to be stuck in there, but it was so tiny. It was like, it didn't even matter because it was all wrapped up in the idea that people no longer feel anything. Like you are literally anesthetized to the idea of watching a woman, because one of the performance art pieces that's separate from these two is a very, like a beautiful or socially acceptably beautiful woman 
having her face sliced open into like different designs, but it's not attractive. It's like she's been mutilated. So there's the commentary oh, she that like she had gills on her face. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And so that we are so numb to all things and sex is just another thing. I felt like that was such a throwaway. It didn't even have a big impact on me, except like it's one more thing that we've lost like any sense of like excitement or feeling or um, reaction to. Yeah, because there is a sex scene, which is Ed Harris. <laughs> Ed Harris. Vigo. <laughs> Ed Harris and um, the lady from James Bond lay on a bed naked. Well, on a bone, not the bone bed, but a weird creepy Yeah, it bed. was the bone bed. Was it the bone bed? Mm -hmm. Okay. They lay on the bone bed and the automatic... Scalpels. Scalpels are like cutting them. That's their sex that they're having? Right. But they're not, but neither can... of them seem to be enjoying it that well. Well, there's nothing. There's no yeah. reaction. They're just looking at each other sort of like, yeah, yeah. But there's no, well, it's not stimulating. It's just foregone conclusion that we just do this because what else is there yeah it's pretty grim isn't it because <laughs> i mean the movie starts and this is i was just reading about people walking out of the movie in Cannes with a child getting killed explain um well i mean i guess we're doing spoilers so we open with a little boy on the beach digging in some sand and there's like a shipwreck right behind him, like a giant cruise ship that has fallen over. And I think that might be real because I know near Italy, I think, or maybe Greece. It takes place in Athens. Right. But I mean, I think in real life, there was a cruise ship that fell over near shore a few years ago. And I don't know that they've ever moved it. So that might be real. Oh. Because in the background, we see a giant cruise ship that has capsized. It's laying on its side near the shore. It's kind of all rotting. You know, you can tell it's... The past. It's been there for a while. This child's digging in the sand. The mother yells at him from a balcony. Don't eat anything you find there. I don't care what it is. Don't eat anything. And then he comes in. There, where they live is kind of gross and run down. He then goes into the bathroom and starts eating a plastic trash can. So for a split second, I went back to that old stupid, very stupid show called My Strange Addiction, where it showed people who were compelled to eat things that weren't food. Did anybody eat a trash can? I don't know. They ate some plastic and stuff, yeah. But I thought about that. I'm like, where's this going? So he's eating this trash can. He's frothing at the mouth. The next thing we see is him sleeping. And the mother then, she's like disgusted with him. She suffocates him to death. And then she calls somebody and says, send whoever, what his name was, the father, like his son, the creature is dead. And she's admitting to it. She's not hiding it at all. So it's very shocking. You're kind of like, I will watch any movie almost that's like, a, you know, a fictional expression of somebody's weird creativity. I don't have an issue anything. with that. Yes. Because, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say anything, anything, because there will be things that even I have my like, you know what? That's completely pointless. You are not making a point. You're being a dickhead, right? So I sure. might have that line somewhere. But if I'm just watching a fictional story, someone's telling me their story with pictures. That's what motion pictures are. Oh, duh. really? Yeah, really. Motion pictures are just telling a story with moving pictures. I know. It's shocking. Is it like a flick book? Yes, it ah. is the evolution of the flip book, actually. You just blow my mind. <laughs> We're all evolving, even cinema. But I will watch it, and then I can consume what the, 
you know, process in my brain how the writer, the director, the art people, the costume people, the performers, everybody came together to make this thing, to present it to me. And now I get to decide for myself whether or not I'm consuming the ideas, processing the ideas, if it's changing me, if it's inspiring me, if it's entertaining me, or if it's boring me, right? I don't need it to not exist. or I don't need to shut it off or pretend it isn't there just because I might not like it or it makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm very good at confrontation. <laughs> I will confront this, this scene where this woman is killing her son. You're like, okay, I'm just, I'm holding my own breath and I'm going to see what is happening and why this is happening. I want the story behind this. It doesn't mean I want this to happen in the real world. It doesn't mean I advocate. It doesn't mean I approve. It means I am wanting to see the whole story. And weirdly, you do get the whole story. Mm -hmm. Often David Cronenberg is like pretty obtuse and you don't, but I feel like you do I mean, get the we'll whole get story. We'll get to the end. That's a bit obtuse, but... The very end scene, <laughs> yeah. like literally the last thing you see, yeah. Because I don't, I still don't fully understand it and I tried to think about it. If we want to decorate this movie, like it's a, you know, avant-garde-ish, it's not fully avant-garde, but if it's like a Christmas tree, it's got lots of little bubbles of pretension all over it. But that ending is sort of like the star of pretentious on top. Even though I love it, I'm just saying that it's the that's what it is. That very end scene is even seen through that old like film mm -hmm. lens too, isn't flicka, it? Flicka, so, flicka, flicka, flicka. Yeah, I just went and watched an interview with David Cronenberg talking about the movie, and just his superficial like this is what it's about answer to a journalist was it's about being an artist, putting your art on display, and being open to the world, and everybody's going to pick you apart. I feel like there's more to it than that, and that's what he was just telling the journalist, you know? Sure. It's the easiest digestible answer. It feels a lot more than that. Almost instantly picked up on the political thing with the plastic in the, you know. Mm -hmm. Not the plastic in the, well, yeah, plastic in the on the beach. Did you have the same thought as me when the kid was eating the trash can? This might be unique to me and you, <laughs> possibly. What? When the kid was eating the trash can. I immediately thought about a challenge on MasterChef where a mystery box was made out of chocolate. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm not surprised that that's what you thought. So I was like, that's a chocolate trash can. It's got to be down. a chocolate trash can because the child's actually eating it. And we yeah. know that David Cronenberg did not make a child eat a plastic trash can. And then can. what I thought then was like, oh, I could do some chocolate. That sounds really good. <laughs> I would eat a chocolate trash can right now. Hold on. So in this movie, this very deep and sort of, <laughs> well, I don't know how deep it is. <laughs> with this sort of exploratory of the thought of the mind movie, you're then like, hmm, chocolate. <laughs> chocolate trash can. Because I'm seeing a child, a dirty, filthy child in a dirty, filthy room with some very ominous music, eating a plastic trash can with his mother looking over, not approvingly, and you're like, hmm, chocolate sounds good. <laughs> so just me then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that one, yes. <laughs> I liked the, the visual design of this movie. It made me feel grim and dirty. Very. And everything was filthy, even though we're dealing with out there surgery. Yeah, but they say even now surgery, anyone can do surgery anytime because there's no infection. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's no pain. So they're doing like... Surgery in the desktop, street. Desktop. Like, yeah, laying on a desk in the, in the public and someone just doing... And yeah, we see people just casually at parties cutting each other and stuff. So it's that's where we're at in this modern world. But on top of that, 
it's not like super gruesome or anything. I, I didn't think. And I hate like surgery stuff. You do? Yes, there's some intestines and stuff and cutting of people. Is it a gross out movie? Because I didn't feel grossed out apart from the sequences where people are eating. And people uh. eating doesn't generally bother me. It does you. Yep. But they're in this bone chair that looks like a baby's high chair. That's what it reminds me of. Yes, got the it little did. arms. And they're in it. And they've got problems with eating in this movie, right? I think that was the implication yeah. that society is such a big baby at this point that they have a chair that wiggles and moves your body. Like you're a baby. To make your organs line up and make your digestion work better for you while you're trying to eat. But yeah, ultimately the the problem is everyone is evolving to not eat food, but to eat. Do you want to reveal the big secret? Plastic. Plastic candy bar is the thing, right? Yeah, like a candy bar made out of industrial waste and plastics. And actually, to me, again, chocolate, it looked tasty. <laughs> Every time somebody pulled one out, I was like, It was like mm, a purple chocolate. chocolate bar. Yeah. My question was, why don't they eat the wrapper? They can eat all the other shit. That just that was a weird little detail that somebody Well, I said missed. the wrapper was made out of foil. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. They're eating industrial waste. That's so true. make the wrapper out of industrial waste. That so, was just a detail that I thought would have been hilarious that when he tears open the top and takes a bite of the chocolate, then he just shoved like the whole thing with the wrapper in his mouth. Like Groundhog Day cake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's try and make sense of the I was thing. just going to say, I don't think we're making much sense in no. this movie. Let's make sense of the whole thing and then we'll get to the cast. Okay. I don't think it's possible fully to make sense of the whole you thing. You go first. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I think it's just that. It's the... It's the it, art thing. Definitely. It is the art thing for sure that he is, you know, they're examining, you know, and I studied art um, and art history in college. And so I grasped the concepts of this idea of my apologies to anyone who's deep in the art world and you don't think of it this way, but I'm being objective about a world that I absolutely love. You're over-examining the value to society and the meaning in society of what you are doing. Yes, some art has powerful implications in the world. Statements about uh, suffering and war and human condition, absolutely 100%. But the idea that everything that an art person has to say is like ripping out their guts and displaying it for the world to like, digest and rip apart and you know whatever whatever it's just a bit much i feel like that's where he was going with a lot of it yeah 100%. and then laying on top of that the reason this guy is growing organs is because he's evolving to be one of the people who can digest plastic and he's fighting against it he's yeah. using these new organs as a way, like, as she describes it, like, he's rebelling against nature, against, you know, being forced by nature to have this new organ. No, he's cutting it out and he's rebelling against it when, in fact, ultimately his body is growing to be able to digest, like, the waste of the world. You know, I mean... So and there was one point where he said, I think I'll keep it inside for now, which was another Yeah, it was like, like a one-step forward yeah and also it was him accepting like hmm, maybe i don't need to like let it go let it all go every time like, yeah yeah i think i'll keep something for myself i got that that part where but there is a lot of that where you're it's a subtext right to what you're seeing yeah and like the cool kids all understand it and they'll roll their eyes at you if you ask them a question about like oh god how can you not understand you're such an idiot 
I definitely thought I felt like I understood. It reminded me a bit. Have you seen the David Cronenberg movie Extensis? That one no. with Jude Law. It has very much the same vibe to it. You know, the same kind of gross. Did they of, all really? I would Cronenberg? call it sticky. This movie, like it's kind of it's got a sticky vibe, like to dry it. urine. Yeah, but it smells bad. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get on to the cast here of Crimes of the Future. We've got Vigo Mortensen slash Ed Harris as... <laughs> it's not Ed Harris. <laughs> Saul Tensor. What did you think of Vigo? He was very intense. He's a ninja a lot of the time, too. He's dressed like a ninja. <laughs> he has really long sleeves for no reason. It just reminds me of Safia uh, from the YouTube, you know? the Yeah? She... <laughs> like Ed Harris and Safia mixed together with a bit of vegan. Yeah, like the sleeves. Are, I mean, I get it. It's a stylistic choice. He says he gets cold. And if his body's trying to create new organs constantly and he's not eating properly because he can't eat real food anymore. Did we miss that point? He can't eat real food because he's becoming a plastic eater. That's kind of like the subtext. That's another subtext here. That's why um, he looks like a baby in that chair with his little mushy Yeah, things. he's very, he's breaking down. He's not healthy. So he has this ninja suit. It's like layers of black stuff. And then the sleeves, even though I like it, like if you're going out to be cool with the sleeves hanging down past the ends of your hands by about a foot. <laughs> yes. Maybe 10 inches, maybe not a foot. It just looked like someone drew it as a piece of art first. And then they're like, yes, he must wear this outfit because it's so challenging, whatever. Well but. To be fair, I it looked to me like he'd gone to Halloween City and bought the ninja suit off the <laughs> peg. It was a pretty terrible suit. To oh, I liked his outfit a lot. I loved it. I it just, just kept seemed... thinking he just looks like a shitty ninja. I didn't think that at all. I just felt like it was very intentionally overly dramatic. But then again, he's a famous performance artist as a character, so I guess yeah. that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense, yeah. It's like uh, when you see Chris Angel, you know? <laughs> He's like that. We got Leah Sadu as Caprice. She's his assistant slash artist person. Also Partner, artist. yeah. What do you think of Leah? She was good. She's kind of sad and you're not sure if she's 100% obnoxious or once she sees the boy, then she's kind of broken down and you see the real like heartbreak in her that it's very sad. She thinks that we don't feel anything anymore and like she's kind of desperate to feel something again. So I felt that from her. So I think that was good. I feel like she's very good as an actress at being sad. Because she was in Death Stranding, remember? Mm -hmm. The game. And her character in Death Stranding was called Sorrow, wasn't it? I don't remember. And in James Bond, she was like one of the saddest Bond girls ever to me. She was always... Are we still calling them Bond girls? Yes. Okay. I am. I'm... Oh, fair enough. I really liked her in this a lot. And she's pretty daring, isn't she? She does. She goes for it. Sure. Kristen Stewart plays Timlin. What do you think of Kristen? You tell me, because oh, I think you liked her more than I did. I did, because it, she wasn't being herself. It <laughs> well, was this nervous... She's acting. Yeah, but it was really good, I thought, because I'm used to her in a certain way. But she was this nervousy, like, timid, but then she would ask a question just out there. She was subversive... And yeah. kind of trying to hold it back, like trying to hide how subversive she really was. She was one of my favorite things, but she's, I feel like she's underutilized maybe. 
Not and any. I didn't find her that interesting. She did a fine job of being, you know, like just a little bit odd. And she made that character. And so inside the movie, in the story, of course, he's growing a new organ. The world is established that people are growing new organs and humans are changing somehow. We don't get any more of the picture than that. We don't see the big global scene. We don't understand it on any no. other level than the individual little stories we get. So now we have this guy and her, the vampire girl have their own government agency where you have to register. This is where the idea that if we were to evolve or start to change, that the governments of the world would try to suppress the change or hold us back, right? You have to register your newest organ, whatever. Like <laughs> They didn't give any details, but I'm assuming you have to tell them where it is and what it is and what it does. It has like, to be photographed, I think. Yeah, they have to check it. And so because they're the government's foundation of this is that, well, if you grow the wrong kind of organs, you won't be human. So if you're not human... How do we could, classify you? Yeah. And also, could you be an enemy to the state kind of thing? You know, you got the very strong big brother vibe there. So that's what they're doing. So she's one of those government people. And so they're supposed to like be there to like document and bureaucratically keep track of everybody's organs. But they're both a little bit quirky. Yes. They're both really into it. They're more interested in the <laughs> science than the job that they're doing, I think. Because it seems like the overriding theme is every single person is tired of not feeling anything real anymore. Every single person. Like, he now is interested in making a pageant, basically, of inner beauty. Yes. Which is, a, which is you install these things so that people can open up your... <laughs> Whatever part of your body, just pull your skin open it's and a look zipper. at your yeah zipper to open and look at your in your internal organ, your internal beauty, right? So he's having a pageant of internal beauty. <laughs> You're making it sound even more mental. Yeah, but it's secret because the government doesn't want anyone to like celebrate the new organ. So he's doing that on the fly on the side. She then, as we find, is also kind of you know doing her own thing. She's a bit of a rebel as well. Everybody's tired of being dead inside. Yeah. And so they're just seeking. And so it's also very parallel to people who do self-harm because it feels like it's kind of organically grown from that, that people who cause themselves not just self-harm like cutting, but also like certain addictive behaviors and self-destructive behaviors that at some point in someone's life. And I got this strong vibe throughout the movie that you look around and the world is just, you. your perception is the world is shit. But I mean, just in real life, right now, and for all of human history, people have kind of opened their eyes and gone, wow, this place, this life, I'm over it. And now I need something extreme, something that hurts, something that gets my adrenaline going, something that's so, I mean, it could be like you become a Mother Teresa because you just want the pain and suffering to make you feel something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got that strong vibe from this whole story as or well. Or it could be this type of movie, just watching this type of movie. Did you find it painful? In a way. <laughs> Not in a bad way, but yeah. It's, See, listen to you. It was pain in a good way. It's unique. For I sure. like the pain. Let's, uh, this is directed by David Cronenberg. Let me give you some of his films that he's directed. Scanners, you've not seen it, which I can't I'm believe. Not. What the hell? The Fly, seen it. Crash, oh, seen it. Vid uh, not the crash some people are thinking of. It's the other crash. Yes, that is not that crash. Videodrome, <laughs> have I seen that one? I would hope so, but probably not. 
Dead Ringers. Absolutely saw that. I, it, I probably watched it 10 times on VHS back in the day. Naked Lunch. Yeah. Eastern Promises. I think you said I have watched it, but I have to be reminded. You definitely watched Eastern Promises. It was Vigo Mortensen. It was like a Russian mob kind of thing. Oh, yes. And you're right. The bathhouse. I remember now. Yeah. Naked Vigo having a fight. Yeah. You know, he's made a lot of films. He's 80. I think I looked him up. Mm, I thought you said he was like 78. 78. Let's give him Let's give him a few years back. What do you think of David's directing? I admire anyone who just fucking goes for it. Like Human Centipede guy, Kevin Smith. This guy, I'm not saying they're the same, so don't everybody go, oh, Kevin Smith movies aren't like no, this. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. That it's their vision. They have it. made a world from their head, the vision of you, the reality as we know it, and the fictions that they want to tell us is purely from their head. Yes, they have input, and yes, of course, they work collaboratively on some level. Who they are seems to really... <laughs> and if someone has seen Human Centipede and you think... Oh, God, that's not a nice thing to say about that guy. But what I mean is the vision of a thing that you want to tell to the world in this motion picture thingy project. If you clean, if you stick to that, and then it is so different from all the other stuff because it's actually you, I admire that. I may not love every scene. I may be grossed out. I may be like, well... I don't feel like I needed to see that, have that in my head for the rest of my life. But I appreciate that a person went from the tiny nugget of the idea that just comes in their brain. And I'm sure they went through lots of stop signs in their brains, right? Yeah, I bet they did. Like, no, 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 nobody will let me do that. That's no, too much I can't people. show that to people. Oh, God, I can't. We can't go that far. And probably they do measure themselves. I mean, they have to, right? But yeah. to get all the way to the end and have me as a person, a stranger out in the world, observe it and have it have some sort of like, oh, okay, pressing all the buttons in my brain and making me think. And that's admirable. So I like what he does. I don't know that I would like every single movie, but. All I right, like let's go on to the IMDb reviews and let's <laughs> look at the people who gave this a one out of 10. Oh my. These people. Okay. First person says, the only saving grace for me was that I fell asleep after an hour of this junk and I saved myself a second hour of boredom. I'm sure there are some, but at the minute I genuinely can't think of a single movie I have seen that is so slow and downright dull. <laughs> That's that guy. In, I disagree. Next guy says, a boring, ugly, lazy movie with boobs in it. That's all I think about it. If that's all you're thinking about, then yeah, you're so funny, right? And the third guy says, yep, this is a Cronenberg film. To call this film bizarre would be a massive understatement. Some may like it. I didn't. I found it to be pretentious and gross. Although I will admit, I did finish watching it, only to see what Cronenberg has created this time. I mean, that one's fair. It is gross. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, and he did watch the whole thing. He didn't just turn it Hold off. on. We didn't have the classics. I mean, like one guy fell asleep, but still, nobody said, it's a waste of time, or this is the worst movie ever made in the history of all humankind. Well, I've got one here for you. There's oh, okay. No bonus number four. Okay. What an incredible waste of time. <laughs> oh, Do not waste one second on this movie. It's so bad, so slow. The acting is awful. The story is worse than awful. 
the director is a washed-up has-been who needs to retire. I love strange off-the-wall sleeper hits, but this one's a sleeper with no hits. Ah, oh, because you know definitively. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> you have decided that you have designed in your head the exact perfect kind of movie. Yes. And you don't want this to exist because it's not that. Oh my God, you're a genius. Bottle it and sell it. Or All right, sling so, it because you're full of shit. So there are no extras here because we watched the streaming version. So we're going to give this a score. Crimes of the Future by David Cronenberg. I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10. I think 6 is fair, but I'm going 6.7. If I had points <laughs> in my scale, I would have given it some more points. Because I do really You know you it. can, because there are no rules. You've just decided right. that you can't give points. I have. There are so, rules. My own rules. <laughs> there are no rules. <laughs> <laughs> they don't apply to you. I can say myself. from now on that I'm giving scores like an ACT test or like an SAT test or like a Richter scale test. I can make a Benny shit. It doesn't matter. We don't have a rule here. Well, my rule is only people, round numbers. I'm, as long no. as people understand the top of the scale and the bottom of the scale and then where you put your thing in the middle, that's all that matters. Well. If I was to give it a point, I'd give it a 6.7 out of 10. There you go. Oh, I'm making progress. You're evolving. <laughs> oh, my God. What What did you give it? I told you. Say it again. You need to listen back. I didn't listen. Everyone else heard it. Oh, you gave it the same. No, you gave it a 6.7. There you go. <laughs> same. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Neon for letting us watch that cool movie. Next week, we're going to review a movie called The Bob's Burgers Movie. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. Never, oh. I don't even know what's this Bob's Burgers you speak of. I've heard it's a cartoon. It is. And grown-ups watch it. I've heard so too. We'll have like a unique... I, I was explain, saying to you, explain to them while we're joking. Bob's Burgers is literally your favorite thing in the whole world. You like it better than me? <laughs> I mean, that's not accurate. No, it's true. It isn't, but I mean, it's more entertaining than you, but... <laughs> you own lots of Bob's Burgers uh, merchandise. And who buys me all the Bob's Burgers merchandise? Me, because I know you love it. I've purchased zero Bob's Burgers merchandise. You repeatedly watch the show over and over and over and over. <laughs> I do. Since it came out till today, you still yep. watch it. I'm back on season one now. I watch it every single time I go to bed. And then also, if I'm doing something where I need to function, but instead of music, I play Bob's Burgers. And so I know a lot of the episodes... I won't say by heart because I couldn't like say them to you, but I know what you're saying if you quote me something. And by osmosis, I know <laughs> yeah. a lot of Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Even though I don't sit and watch it, I do know what happens a lot of the time because it just kind of soaks in because I can hear it. Lifting up the skirt of the night. Yes. <laughs> so next week we'll watch the movie and the perspective will be, you know a lot about this show and I know... Yeah, but here's the deal. Modicum. Let me explain to people how I am with my entertainment. I couldn't give a shit if there's a Bob's Burgers movie. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less if I ever don't see it. I don't care if they ever make another season. I don't need another blanket. <clears throat> I have two, but I love them. I don't need another Funko Pop. I don't need more Bob's Burgers. The ones that I have over the seasons and the episodes have given me such complete and utter joy and entertainment I'm not like people like you who just need more stuff. I am very content. If it had never existed, I would never know the difference. But I am happy with what I have. Anything else is like a bonus. So my perspective will not be like 
frothing at the mouth at a Bob's Burgers movie and then me comparing it to everything I've seen before will just be like another episode and I'm sure I'll laugh and I'm sure I'll watch it more than once. Of course you will. Somehow it's sort of like woven into me now and I I don't even know why. I've tried to ex- figure out why and I have no idea. It just feeds right. me something. So next week, Bob's Burgers movie. Movie recommendations. I am going with some... David Cronenberg movies, two of my favorites, Naked Lunch, which is crazy. There's a typewriter that is also a cockroach. That's my explanation of that movie. And Crash, which I find super Explain cool. that it's the crash where... This is which? David Cronenberg's crash where it's kind of about people who get off on like injuries and car crashes. and Not just car crashes, actually just people being injured and Correct. dismembered and maimed and... It's odd, to say the least, but also really good performances. <laughs> Holly Hunter. <laughs> when you say amazing. it, it sounds like you're super creepy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and your ones are? My recommendations are going back to the 90s. I forget which year I'm in, 94, 95, I don't know. I'm going to give you five. I'm just giving you the list of movies I've ever seen or that I remember seeing. There is no quality control here <laughs> or reference to this movie whatsoever. Leon, which you would call... The Professional. The Professional, because that's two different names, but it's Leon. Muriel's Wedding. Frankenstein. And I don't know, I think it's the uh, Robert De Niro one. Interview with a Vampire. One of my faves back in the day. I actually read that book. I don't read a lot of books. You could probably Mm. tell if you talk to me for very long. But that's one of the few that I have read. And The Santa Claus, which is actually a really fun concept. And I really enjoy that one. Nice work. Varying there. Lots of variety. Like you've got... An assassin, a comedy, a classic horror story, Frankenstein, interview with a vampire, which is very dark and very, mm. and then you've got the Santa Claus, which is quite fun and cheerful, except that Santa dies, but never mind. True. (laughs) So, a scully stuff, I've been playing a new video game, Dying Light 2, Stay Human. You've seen some of this video game. Mm -hmm. You've probably seen quite a lot of it, actually. So, what is it? It's a, you know, the game Mirror's Edge. That's what I can compare it to. It's a first-person parkour game. But unlike Mirror's Edge, there is a big obstacle, and the obstacle is zombies. And they're not like anything special either. They're just zombies, really. There's some creatures, too. It's about navigating the environment. There's missions like an RPG. You're leveling up, and there's a story in it. What do you think of it, Sidtop? It is fine. It is, it's got, you know, the dude's looking for his sister. It's sometime in the future. I think it, what do we determine? It's like 60 years in the future or something. Yeah, not very far. Right. The whole world's falling apart. My issue is, as I'm, if I'm ever sitting and watching it or I'm just watching it like from the kitchen, some of the voice acting is so bad. Yeah, it's definitely. Oh my God. Well, the main guy is amazing. Yeah, but. If you're talking to three other people and they all sound like shit, I yes. mean, sound literally like you just had me and you go in there and we're like, uh, hey, man, uh, how about if we go kill some um, zombies, man? I like that. Sounds good. <laughs> but I mean, it's like us making up really bad voices, really bad accents. The child is like, oh, hi, I'm a child. When you know it's a 50-year-old woman, it sounds disgusting. Well, let me tell you that there, it's not an American production. It's uh, from 
Russia or somewhere. Don't care. Yeah. Don't care. So that could be part of it. Don't care. That's uh, no. What I mean is the main guy is voice actors who are not American doing. That's not the problem. The problem is the poor performance quality, not necessarily. And it's not everybody either. Some of them are actually pretty good. Some, but most of those peripheral people, man, every time he goes to actually talk to someone, I'm like, oh, what's this one going to sound like? And it's really <laughs> distracting. I just want them to be quality. I feel like it's distracting as well because he sounds so convincing and they don't. Yeah, even the sound quality of his voice recordings is sometimes different than the sound quality, and I'm not even a nerd or geek it, about that it's stuff. It's like they had a big budget for him, but not for everybody else. Yes. <laughs> yes. And like I they, didn't notice that also. They just have like people who work around the studio say, hey, come in here and do these lines for this game, because we can't afford to pay anybody who does it for a living. No right. offense to these people. It's a fine game. It looks great. It's got an interesting concept. The zombies are... Also, the zombies are very repetitive. I'm sure you've noticed by now. Yeah. You've got clones of the same, like, 10 or 15 zombies. Yeah, there's not many, is there, really? It doesn't make any sense either, because in the modern world, wouldn't you be able to have just infinite... Couldn't you put your team to work to create, like, 500 different looking zombies? You could, but that's probably a budget thing. Right, but it's not that hard, right? It's just... I mean, I say that. Yeah, you do. I don't don't design games for a living. (laughs) I take it back. I take it back. Yeah, that could... The difference between having 12 unique zombies and having unlimited is probably a lot of work. Not unlimited. Just make, like, 100 instead of 7. You could definitely have 100 with this... You know, I'm playing this on the PlayStation 5. It's not exactly, you know, old technology. So you could definitely do that. I just think the budget is... But the game itself, I like the story... And I like the gameplay, and I like that it dishes out like the level ups of your character kind of slowly, but when you get one, it really means a lot. Like at the beginning of the game, I could press a button to. Sw- there are no guns in this game, by the way. It's um, melee weapons only. And that was explained, actually. Explain to people what a melee weapon is just things that you hit people with, blunt instruments or sharp ones. Okay. So it was explained. You know, when I said to you, why has nobody got guns? Yes. I did a story mission that explained it to me. It was a museum that I went in and it told you in the museum that as the world was starting to collapse with the with the virus, the person who is in charge decided to have an amnesty. Everybody has to give the guns up because the military need all the weapons to defend you. There was an amnesty. All the people gave all the guns in and then he stored them somewhere for the military to have so there was enough guns. So then everybody was left without guns. And somewhere, somehow, he says, pile of guns probably still exists. Maybe right. Maybe you can find it. So you will find that eventually. Eventually, yeah. But yeah, you're mostly like chopping zombies up with cleavers and old table legs. And, you know, they, I like the combat because it is kind of intense. It has like a block where when they're coming at you, if you block it at the exact right moment, you can do like a flying kick at them and stuff. It's, it's kind of interesting. I think it's super stressful. It is stressful, but it also makes the little encounters fun. You don't get like piled on. There's usually like three guys going up against you. Just let's, let's rewind and let's remind everyone how you get like squeamish and weirded out if you see surgery. Uh-huh. Dr. Pimple Popper grosses you out. You literally Hates hide it. your face. If you were watching My Feet Are Killing Me, you would throw up. And yet you love games where you're literally chopping off heads and yeah. blowing people up. I don't well, care. The zombies up. 
I'll chop a head off. I don't so care. your lifelong exposure to what we would say are violent games hasn't actually turned you into anything no. other than just who you are. And weirdly, this movie today, I had no repulsion to any of the surgery parts. I could just look straight at it, no hide in my face. It was all pretty straight, straight up. There wasn't a lot of, there was some sloppy sounds. Yeah. But. So that's Dying Light 2 Stay Human. It's a really huge, big game, so I'm, I'm sure I'll talk about it again. Sid Tart, what's for dinner? Mod Pizza. We're not sponsored by them, but we've discovered in the last few weeks that it is a... It is the same price for us to get two pizzas, which are very satisfying, as for me to go to like... And I could also go to Burger King. We haven't done that in a while. But it's actually less than Burger King for two people. We get Impossible Whoppers. The reason we're telling you what we eat is... Both of those sound good, to be fair. vegetarian, and people think when you're vegetarian, you're like starving and eating... Laying down on the grass and eating the grass and then dying of starvation. Don't worry about me. Vegetarianism is not killing me. We're not vegan. That is a philosophy, not a diet. We're vegetarian. We just don't eat the dead animal parts. We do eat eggs and dairy. So there you judge us as you will, because I don't give a shit. But that's why we tell you what we eat, because we also eat. Because if you go to Mod Pizza, they got all these cool toppings, including plant-based sausage, which you love. Roasted corn and roasted broccoli, which I love. Pickled onions and weird shit like that. I love it. So we were going to mention the other week how we liked um, Sun Basket. We actually oh, bought yeah. a Sun Basket, and I thought it was incredibly amazing all three meals yeah. sun basket is a meal prep box that you get it's got all the ingredients and the recipe and then yeah. you make the dinner we got it we're not sponsored by it but we got one we ate all three things they were amazing two tofu dishes yeah it was very oh vegetarian centric i loved it and we only do those meal boxes you can think oh well they're very privileged and lucky to have so much money well what we do is <laughs> oh, we've said that before. We yeah. sign up for the first time and you get a really cheap discount. And then there are lots of ways to like. And there are lots of meal boxes. If you, you could try 10 of them. Yeah. At, <laughs> at half yeah. Price. Just try the first one. Yeah. I mean, what they want is your data. I don't think they care about giving you food. They just want you on a list somewhere. Yeah. So they're happy to like give you, have you to a You sell your discount. soul to get a cheap box. And then if you sign up for multiples, sometimes you'll get like a way cheaper box. But again, our HelloFresh boxes, when we do HelloFresh, are sometimes like $5 per meal. Uh, yeah. Mostly $30 yeah. a week, aren't they? If yeah. And so that's $5 per person, which is, I mean, yes, you can always go cheaper if you just buy everything yourself in bulk and all that. I get all that. But for me, and the convenience of you cooking it for me three nights a week when I go to work, it's fantastic. So, But that's not what we're having tonight. We're having mod pizza. Unless you change my mind and I end up with a impossible lover. What's your advice? And we'll go. My advice is... Um, I think I've said this before, so if you've listened to them all and memorized all of my amazing wisdom and advice, then you will spot, you know, the the copy. I'm cloning myself, but not even, like, aware of it totally. But, like, I'm just thinking that everyone who knows of you, of you, of me, of everyone listening, they only know one little slice of you. You're in the center of the big pie that is your life, or the bubble, or the universe, or the galaxy, however you want to look at it. And everybody around you is at some distance around, uh, away from you. They could be up close or far away, whatever, work, lover, marriage, child, grandpa, whatever. Clerk at the store, right? They only see, from their point of view, a tiny sliver of you. 
Now, my sliver of you is going to be wider because I've known you 22 years and we're together a lot more than, say, I know the person who waits on me on a regular basis at Jimmy John's, right? I still only know that I know a tiny little sliver of this person's personality and how they act in that moment. I know you of a bigger slice. So all the people who all know you, the only way to be a whole person is for all of that to happen. No one knows all of who you are. No one, not even you. Because my impact that I would have on maybe the guy who works at Jimmy John's when I make a fun comment or a snotty comment or whatever, I don't know. Now his perception of me has been created and mine of him. And I'm unaware of that. So I don't know the whole me because I don't know his lingering or maybe I disappear from his brain immediately. I don't know how I've impacted every person I've ever known at every job. I don't know what the thoughts of my ex-husband would be of me at this point in life. So that's a whole section and that's a slice of me. I'm still the center of that perception, but I don't know what it is. So I don't know the whole me. And I think people sometimes they get wrapped up in like thinking they know someone really well. And then how could they do the thing? How could they ever possibly do that thing or say that thing or not do that thing for me or whatever? And like, you just don't, you don't know the whole person. All right. How's that? So you might not know the whole person, but you will know a scully.com. It's smooth. a place. Very smooth. Yeah, it's a place you can get a podcast called After the Show Movie Podcast. You can also go to anchor.fm slash after the show. Spotify, Amazon, where else? Everywhere. Everywhere that sells podcasts. <laughs> or gives them away for free. Somebody might be selling our podcast and we don't know about it. Right? That's fine. <laughs> you can also catch us on social media. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and you can email feedback to me, ascoli at Do not email Sid Talk. I won't give you her email address, then you don't email her. Well, if yours is ascoli at ascoli.com, they're, they're probably intelligent enough to figure mine out. I can't figure it out. And my, uh, I'm going to say, think for yourself for someone's doing it for you. But first, I will say, stay classy, <laughs> Mr. David Cronenberg. You jumped the gun there, didn't you? Do I need to say it again? No. But if you want to, you can. Think for yourself or someone will do it for you. <laughs>